0: Welcome to Uncovered, the new podcast series that goes behind the headlines to give you an in depth look at the stories that matter. I'm Kelly Crichton, and on each episode, I'll be joined by the National World reporters who are working to bring information to light and hold those in power accountable. We'll be revealing the journalistic work that goes into the team's investigations and highlighting some important stories we think you need to know about but have gone uncovered in the wider media. Today I'm joined by Harriet Cluxton, Data and Investigations Editor for National World, who's been looking into the pressures faced by local authorities, particularly in relation to their child social care budgets. The recent case of six-year-old Arthur Labanio-Hughes, murdered by his father and stepmother in Solihull in June 2020, has broken hearts across the country and prompted a wave of public anger and revulsion at the suffering he endured. The government has launched an urgent national review into his death, which it says aims to protect other children, learn the lessons that need learning and ultimately ensure no other comes to the harm that Arthur did. However, social workers, children's charities and councils have been warning for several years about a crisis brewing in children's social care in England with repeated calls for action to protect children. Hi, Harriet. Tell us about the crisis in social care and why you've been looking into it.
1: Hi, Kelly. Yeah, I'm sure everyone listening will be aware of the the tragic case of uh, six-year-old Arthur. That case, as you said, it it sparked uh, a wave of revulsion, but also a national conversation about children's social services in England so not only whether opportunities have been missed to save him in his particular case, but what it says about the way we care for vulnerable children. A serious case review will be carried out into the actions or lack of actions of social services where Arthur lived. But as you say, we've also got this government promising a national review into the case in recognition of the strength of public feeling. So we can't say yet exactly what went wrong in Arthur's case and whether individual social workers missed opportunities to save him. But what we do know is that we've had these warnings for several years now about growing pressure, spiralling costs and cuts to vital services, meaning other at-risk children do not get the help they need early enough. And I've been covering this area for a number of years now as a data journalist, so to me it can't help but ring hollow or hypocritical to hear some of the language politicians have been using recently about this case. So Nadim Zahawi, the education secretary, for instance, is talking about learning lessons and being determined to protect other children from harm. Yet successive conservative or conservative-led governments have presided over massive cuts to local authorities who are the very bodies who are tasked with protecting these children. And you only have to go back as far as June this year to find the local government association, which represents councils, warning again of the urgent need for more funding to secure the sustainability of children's social services and keep children safe.
0: It seems this question of social care budgets has been around for a number of years. What is the funding crisis and what kind of problems are councils having with cash flow?
1: So yes, we, we started with looking at the funding situation and every year councils draw up their budgets of what they plan to spend on all public services and they submit that to central government and then the following year they'll submit a record of what they actually spent. So we looked at the budget and the spending data for all councils in England between 2014-15 and 2019-20 and adjusted that for inflation. To see what the real terms change has been, we only went back to 2014 because there were differences in the way the data was recorded before that. But what we found over that six year period is that net spending on children's social services has increased by 11.5% from 8.9 billion to 9.9 billion. But the budgets, on the other hand, have only increased by 7.1% from 8.5 billion to 9.1 billion. So the costs that councils are facing are far outstripping their resources. And councils were already in the red in 2014-15, but since then, they've overspent by more than £4 billion. And in 2019-20 alone, 85% of councils in England had to overspend on what they'd allocated, which is up from 67% in 2014-15. And is this a problem all local authorities in England are faced with? It is a problem that councils right across England are facing, that a lot of them in every part of the country are overspending. But our analysis suggests that it's councils in the north and in London who are under the most pressure, particularly in the northeast of England. So in 2019-20, in every single council in the northeast overspent, compared to 85% of councils in England. And they are also also overspending by the the biggest margin, so, 13% was uh, overspend in the Northeast versus 9% on average across the country. And uh, we've also found that Labour controlled councils uh, have also been consistently more likely than Tory controlled councils to overspend. And they've done that every year except one since 2014 15. Lib Dems, their councils are the most likely to overspend, but they've only got four councils that look after children's services. And Labour councils, they are actually the most in the red as well. So their budget back holes are 10.2% last year versus 8% for Conservative areas. OK,
0: so what are the services councils need to provide and spend their budgets on in order to protect children?
1: So, yeah, if we dig deeper into the spending figures, there are certain areas that are swallowing up the bulk of the money. There are certain areas as well that councils have a legal obligation to provide. So we call these statutory services. So when a child needs to be taken into care, they've got to provide that care place. When a child needs safeguarding because of serious welfare concerns, their social workers have got to provide that safeguarding. So between 2014-15 and 2019-20, the cost of delivering services for looked-after children, so that's the children in care, rose by 26%, and the cost of safeguarding rose by 22%. Now, these two areas combined alone now account for 75 pence in every £1 spent on children's social services, which has increased from 67 pence six years ago. Now, this is a phenomenon that we've had warnings about for a number of years now in January 2019 the government spending watchdog the national audit office they produced a report on the pressure on children's social services which concluded that councils are increasingly having to divert spending away from preventative services that provide early interventions for families that might be sure start centers it could be parenting courses So they divert away from that in favour of protecting spending on the statutory services. And the more that they have to spend on the statutory services, the less they've got to spend on preventative services, particularly when you consider this is against the backdrop of austerity in which central government funding for councils was cut by almost 50% between 2010 and 2018. So yeah, the social workers and children's charities have been warning for a long time about the potential of this to create a kind of vicious cycle. So the spending on the early interventions designed to help families early on. That's cut, that stores up problems for the future, so a child may come to the attention of social services later on at a point when they're in crisis. And then they need more intensive, costly services, so it just contributes to this cycle. And at a cross-party parliamentary inquiry in 2019, that concluded that children's services were at breaking point then. The local government association, they submitted evidence to that inquiry and said, you know, councils recognize that this is a false economy, To cut preventative services, but that they've essentially got no other choice but to make difficult decisions with scarce resources. Certainly between a rock and a hard place. We're going to have a clip now. Yeah, so research from the Institute of Public Policy Research North has found that austerity fell particularly hard on the north of England, and that this has really had a material difference on the life chances of children there. I spoke to their research fellow Marcus Johns. To find out what these cuts have meant for children's social services?
2: We know that there are a wide range of factors that contribute to um, you know, children being in those situations and, and needing to come into contact with social services. And the things that, you know, increase the likelihood of that include poverty, they include insecure housing, drug and alcohol abuse in their parents, and a whole range of factors, all of which have been impacted by austerity from 2009 10 And I think what we've seen as a kind of vicious circle for local authorities where a lot of the cuts to local authorities were in the first instance Targeted on things that were easier to cut. You had some of the preventative services, children's centres, and so on, because they weren't statutory services that had to be protected. You know, we know that local authorities in the Northeast had, I think, shouldered the deepest cuts. 10 years of austerity research highlighted that, you know, the relative fall in council spending on services were highest in the Northeast. At the same time, you generally have higher rates of poverty, particularly child poverty in the Northeast, and there's various economic factors that contribute to that. And so I think that does suggest overall that, that you know, children in the Northeast are being disadvantaged. That's not to say that this isn't happening across the country. And indeed, it is. You know, London has the highest levels of, of poverty in the country. The Northwest has an astounding level of families in temporary accommodation. Uh, it's incredulous, really, how fast that's risen since 2009 10. It is a widespread problem, but there are signals that the Northeast is, is disproportionately affected. Yes. There is then the kind of additional context of national austerity and particularly where some of those cuts have fallen. So uh, back at, at that budget, when George Osborne first sort of implemented austerity, he promised to, I think, it was protect the most vulnerable in our society. And I think it's very clear that, you know, that has not happened. We've seen things like the welfare cap, you know, cuts to, to welfare, cuts to people's housing allowance and, and various things like that, that add pressure onto the most vulnerable families who are then, you know, less able to parent their children perhaps to the standard that society expects and that ends up kind of contributing to those children coming into contact with the care system. So, you know, the whole context of the past decade has been pushing up demand in children's social care at the same time as there is less money available to be preventing that and supporting those services.
0: What does this data tell us about the children who are in the social care system?
1: Besides the council financing data, we've also looked at data from the Department for Education on the the caseloads facing children's social services, specifically on the number of children in need. So when a child has an episode of need, it means they've been referred to social services, there's been an assessment and it's decided that they do need some kind of services. And that could mean a whole range of things. It could be a child or the parent's disabled or has an illness and they need support. Could be to do with mental health, their behaviour, fears over gangs, lots of things, but it could also be because of abuse or neglect or problems in their family like drug or alcohol addiction or domestic abuse. So if the council decides there's a reasonable cause to suspect that child is suffering from harm or or is likely to suffer from significant harm, they have to do something called a section 47 inquiry, which is an assessment to decide if they need to step in to safeguard the child. The British Association of Social Workers has previously said a section 47 inquiry indicates the child is already at crisis point. So we're talking about potentially serious cases of neglect or other risks to welfare. Now, what we've seen over recent years is a really massive increase in both the number of Section 47 inquiries social workers are doing and the proportion of the children they come into contact who end up having one of these inquiries. So in 2012-13, there were one hundred twenty-seven thousand one hundred ninety inquiries, which represented just over 32% of episodes of need. But by 2019-20, that had risen to 201,000 and to almost half of cases, 49.2%. And after a Section 47 inquiry, social services might decide that they need to put in a child protection plan to keep the, the child safe. And again, with those, there's been a huge increase in needs from 52,680 in 2012-13 to 66,380 in 2019-20. And as a proportion of the children in need, that's increased from 13.3% to 16.3%. And against all of this, there's also been an enormous increase in the number of children being taken into care, which is the most costly area of social services for councils.
0: And you've uncovered a regional disparity here too.
1: Yeah, there are quite stark regional differences at play, actually. Overall, for instance, councils in the northwest, northeast, and Yorkshire already face the highest demand on their children's services. So across England as a whole, there were 317 episodes of need for every 10,000 children in 2019-20, but that was almost 400 in the northeastern Yorkshire. So there is a disproportionately high number of children who need social services. But when you look at the change since 2012-13, the Northeast has also seen a very high increase. Section 47 inquiries have more than doubled there from 6,240 to 12,800, which is almost twice the rate of increase seen across England as a whole. Um, And that's also the highest rates per 10,000 children. And it's the same with child protection plans. So the North East has seen almost double the rate of increase of England as a whole again. Okay, you've got another clip for us now. I also spoke to Dr Paul Shuttleworth, a researcher and professional social worker from the British Association of Social Workers, about the strain that social workers themselves are under and why they need more time and resources to dedicate to the children they work with.
3: When I first started social work, these conversations have always been happening. And we talk a lot about things like firefighting in social work, you know, how we're constantly firefighting, how it's, the work is relentless in terms of firefighting, dealing with families at crisis point. It's that perpetual cycle that's come about and it's due to lack of appropriate funding. Again, it comes down to the funding and cuts. And then that affects recruitment and retention. You know, that cycle without having the due focus on things like preventative work, anti-poverty strategies, early intervention. Of course, there's going to be more families that go to crisis point. And then these crisis points are obviously where social workers are going to be need to concentrate on. And then, More time, more money, more resources is spent on crisis intervention, less on preventative work. And it just goes round in a circle again and again. So increases in crisis intervention, decrease in money and time for preventative work. It's just hard to break that cycle. There is some stuff around how we use resources efficiently, how we use our time efficiently. But actually, again, it's about sufficiency. We need more time. We need more resources. These families, these children deserve more time and more resources. And that's how we can battle it so that families aren't reaching that crisis point and we aren't constantly firefighting. But what is really missing, what's always missing, is the long-term and short-term investment that goes straight to the heart of the communities, um, of local authorities, of, of social work practice, social work departments. There's arguments about efficiency and sufficiency. So we have to be efficient with funds. We know that. But there also has to be sufficient funding so that children can have the care and the protection that they need. So we know social workers are going above and beyond, especially as they did in terms of the pandemic. They're working really, really long hours. I get emails from social workers from, you know, who have just finished work at, at three in the morning, for example. And we've got to remember, it takes a massive emotional toll as well. Social workers' emotionally laborious work, it takes a lot of toll on us and on our own families. But we're still going out there. Um, We're still trying our best to, to ensure that children and families get the protection that they need and the support that they need.
0: You say social services are facing retention and recruitment problems. What does the data tell us about that?
1: So despite the concerns about these pressures, there has actually been an increase in the number of social workers in recent years. Annual censuses from the Department of Education tell us there were about 4,000 more full-time equivalent social workers in 2020 compared to 2016. However, an increasing proportion of these workers are new and inexperienced. So in 2016, just under 30% had been in post for under two years. And that's compared to just over 34% in 2019. That had come down a little bit from 33% in 2020, but the census is taken in September. So that could indicate that fewer experienced workers chose to leave during the pandemic. Uh, Turnover is also really high. So almost one in seven workers left their jobs in 2019. Again, that fell a little bit during the pandemic. And there are also very high vacancy levels with one in six jobs vacant in 2020. So even though there's been an increase in social workers, that's not led to a decrease in their workloads. In 2016, every frontline worker had 16.1 cases each to deal with, which rose to 16.3 in 2020. But that had risen as high as 17.8 in 2017. And there is enormous variation across the country on this. So workers in the northeast and northwest, they had 18 and 17.9 cases each respectively in 2020. But in some parts of the country, it's upwards of 20 and as high as 24.9 cases in northeast Lincolnshire.
0: Clearly, Children's Social Services have seen enormous growth in demand. Do we know exactly what has caused that?
1: Well, we've heard a, a few different factors discussed about, you know, this vicious cycle of demand from cuts. There's theories about increased poverty, the impact of austerity. Lots of things. And um, in this 2019 report I've mentioned from the National Audit Office, they talked about domestic abuse, substance abuse and adult mental health. And some of the social workers that they'd spoken to felt like increased demand could be due to us as a society having a lower tolerance over time for what constitutes abuse or neglect in areas like that. That report was also quite critical of the Department of Education because it said that until recently, they had not seen it as part of their remit to try to understand drivers and demand for social services or to understand what causes these massive disparities between regions or between councils. Now, that report was published in January 2019, and it said in it that the Department of Education had commissioned research into that, and that was due back by summer 2019. So I had to look for that research and I couldn't find it. So I asked the department if they could tell me if it had been done and where it was published. And it told me that they're still finalising that research. And they said the pandemic had affected research work because they're focused on the immediate needs of of vulnerable children affected by COVID. And I don't know about you, but that feels uh, a bit of a cop-out because it was due in summer 2019, several months before anyone had even heard of coronavirus. And arguably, it should have been done a long time before that.
0: And worryingly, the situation is probably deteriorated in that time also. What is the solution? Do we have an understanding of what the solution is to ensuring children like Arthur Labanio-Hughes are not subject to the same fate?
1: Well, as we've said, we, we have to wait for reviews into Arthur's specific case to conclude before we start speculating about you know exactly what went wrong, whether social workers were under pressure there particularly. Um, but I think it seems pretty clear that children's social services need more funding for a start so they can provide comprehensive, universal access to the kinds of services that would help children and families early. Uh, and having a more concrete understanding of what has driven demand too would be a good start. Once that research comes from the Department of Education um, and uh, the Institute of Public Policy Research North also says there's a really strong case for devolution here. Um, not only to protect councils budgets from the whims of central government, but also to allow better holistic approaches that recognize that a child's life is joined up. Um, it's a web of social and economic factors covering employment, housing, health, everything else. So here's what Marcus had to say on that.
2: It's really a a big missing piece from, you know, the government's levelling up agenda is local authority finances. Um, They've been completely decimated over a decade. Realistically, levelling up could deliver gains, it could deliver economic benefits. It is an opportunity in some senses. But that missing piece of local authority finance is fundamental to putting uh, back those life chances for those children, for looked after children who need not only, the you know, the kind of basics of being looked after, but they need high quality care and high quality opportunities that will kind of reset their life chances. I think that's not what we're seeing at the moment in terms of levelling up. We haven't, I, you know, I don't even think this is a discussion. This might be the first time I've heard that raised in the context of levelling up. We often policy world kind of criticise, siloized thinking in government, and then sometimes approach things in that way themselves. You know, what is happening in a local place's economy, what is happening in, in terms of its housing stock, in terms of a whole range of measures, health and so on, also impacts on what's happening in terms of the children who live there, the experiences that they have, and children's social services. And I think there is just, it is really imperative that our thinking is more contextualised when we're addressing these issues, that, you know, we don't have solutions that just look at serious cases and come up with one or two recommendations to change things that put more pressure on social workers and children's um, social care departments in local authorities, without looking at the wider piece of how do they deliver that? How does that fit into what they're doing and how they're working. And I think that's just something that we haven't been very good at in the UK for a long time across many policy areas. And for us, it's one of the main arguments around devolution is the ability to take that holistic view at a local level and to pull in those different levers, which is really crucial because when you're talking about looked after children, it's easy to fall into the language of, you know, cases and interventions. I'm sure I've said those sorts of things in this conversation, but we are talking about children's lives and those lives are experienced in their context of going to school and going to the doctors and how where they live looks and how their house is and and I think that's not only at a policy level why it's important but when you're talking about any given child it's their whole life experience is being undermined by policy decisions that have been taken over a decade and that requires a solution that looks at across all of that.
1: What has the response from the DFE been A spokesperson from the Department for Education said, We recognise the challenges councils are facing, including the pressure on children's services, which is why we are providing local authorities with £4.8 billion in new grant funding to help maintain vital frontline services, including children's social care. Our regional recovery fund is tackling the most pressing issues for vulnerable children and we are making transformational investment in new social care placements to increase quality and root out bad practice. They went on, we have also improved how safeguarding agencies work together and the education secretary has taken steps to ensure that we learn from these recent and shocking cases there are clear processes in place to hold agencies accountable and ensure improvements are made where they are needed. The ongoing independent review of children's social care will also address some of the major challenges facing the sector. Thank you for joining me today,
0: Harriet. You can find this and associated stories on nationalworld.com. I'll be back again soon with more analysis of the stories that matter.